0: Welcome to the Paul George Show. Paul George here with Adam Koch. Talking about all things art of living. What's going on, man? You know, I'm just happy to be alive. I'm just happy to be alive. I am so happy that you're happy to be alive. Because that's a good thing. Life is great.
1: Bunch of happy people. Yeah. It is great. And I tell you, you know this, that there are family rhythms Mm -hmm. where like sometimes you're just firing all cylinders. Right. And sometimes it seems like the cylinders just fell off of everything. Yeah. We're in a fire-in-all-cylinders mode, Whoa. so I'm enjoying the heck out of it. What does
0: that look like?
1: It's just easy. Family life is easy and enjoyable. Things are going well. The kids are polite. It's wonderful. Man, that's a good day. And until
0: next month... Or next week... I'm just going to enjoy it. Or next no, week... No, the wheels on the bus can fall <laughs> out off at any oh moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At any time and any moment. <laughs> so anyway, I just got back from New York City. The New York City? The Big Apple. Whoa. Yeah, so I was doing a conference out there, um, Saint John's University, right there in Queens, New York. Yeah. Yeah. That How- place is chaos. Not St. John's University. It's a beautiful campus. And there's very little, as you know, you've been to New York. In the city itself, right? Manhattan, Queens, Bronx, it's you know, New Jersey. You know, I mean New York State's big. I mean, if mm-hmm. you go north, you go to Buffalo and Syracuse and you know, there's lots of land and, and beauty, but in the city itself, there's it's huge, right? It's the biggest city in, in, in the country. Yep. Uh, millions and millions of people. There's very little green space. That's right. But St. John's University is just kind of tucked away in Queens, and it's a beautiful campus. Really? Yeah, it's really nice. That is fascinating. But flying into the city and getting around is just absolutely, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't live there. Really? Yeah, I would think it would be, at least on my list of top, five worst places for me to live in the city. No kidding. But you said you could live there.
1: Well, if all I had to do is stay on one city block or one street 90% of my time and not have to drive anywhere, that does sound kind of appealing.
0: I think for me as a, like a contemplative, uh, as more of an introvert, more like quiet space, more like green, more like pastures, I think I would just go crazy. Yeah, I didn't think about that. um, Now, I know people go out to Central Park, and maybe they just deal with it, but uh, I just just couldn't do it. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Plus, I mean, you're already intimidating because of your height. If you added a New York
0: accent, I would be really intimidated by you, and I don't... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm know. sure there's a lot of people, though, my height in New York, because there's so many people. That's true. And there's just so many different looking people. I mean, it really is... From all over the world. A cultural melting pot of shapes, sizes, colors. And you see some pretty odd things there. Yeah. Like people, yeah, do crazy things. You
1: there. know who else loves City? Who? Venerable Fulton Sheen, who's buried in New York. That's for right. now. Or did they just move him? They're about to move him. But he said it always reminded him of that City to Come. In heaven it's just going to be like that. We're all going to be living together in one area mm-hmm. in the sense of we all know each other and part of each other's lives and how the city reminded him of heaven.
0: Well, that's true. But I don't think we're going to care about having our own space, our own garage, or, no, you know, our own lazy boy chair, or, you know, we live in such a culture where, you know, we close off to community, Yeah, you know, and I, I remember this hit me because I, I grew up in a small town in Louisiana and we didn't have we didn't have garage doors. No one did No, back in the day. It was carports. There were no cell phones. You walked over to people's houses. People drove over. You just visited. It's kind of that small town. It was just great. And I remember getting married when we were first married, moved out to Arizona in Phoenix. You know, it's a city of, you know, five or six million people. Neighborhoods are super tight, uh, close, you know, houses close together. And I remember just watching, you know, people would pull in after work, they'd pull in their. Uh, driveway, open the garage door, pull the car in, close the garage door, and you would never see them. I'm like, this is really, really strange <laughs> to me. Like, like
1: they don't come out to play. I or... want to
0: meet my neighbors. I want to <laughs> talk. Like, how does this happen? Where do people interact? And begin to just realize that, like, most of American, of course, now with technology and everything, is like a lot of people were just disconnected from people and community and relationship. Yeah.
1: But what the good news is is that you can live however you think you need to live. And I think a lot of times we get very passive with the culture and we sit back and we say, man, I wish we had greater community. Mm-hmm. Well, really, if you did, you can you can do that. Like, you can go talk to your neighbor or you could talk to other Christians in your church. Like, if you ever wish things were a little different in the culture, you.
0: you in other words, we're not victims to the culture. We're not victims, but the reality is this. In any area of our life, nothing happens without an intention. That's right. Right? Like if we want to do something or get better at something or, 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 have something in our life, it's not just going to happen. I mean, we have to have intention about it. And I think oftentimes we, we just, we don't do anything about the things that we want to see happen in our Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so whether it be, I want to lose weight or I want to grow in my relationship with God or my prayer life, or, you know, I want to, growing my relationship with my spouse, unless we, you know, we can say all those things and they sound good, but unless we make steps and intention. And it's interesting about community because our lives are drastically affected by the people we have around us, good or yep. bad. Yep. And if we want to be a certain type of person, we need to surround ourselves with people who are going to help us to be those type of people. So, if I, you know, for me, like one of the things that's really important for me is – um to well there's a couple there's a lot of things that are important to me but this is just one <laughs> for me as a christian as a catholic one of the things that's important to me is to be serious about my discipleship with Jesus yeah and i can't do that on my own no. and my wife and i have to be in partnership with that you know my kids certainly have to be on board in a sense of understanding what our family's about but i have to have friendship in my life of people who are calling me to that by the way they're living by their own you know, standards for their own Christian life and discipleship. And like if if I don't do that, then I'm 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 struggling in in my ability to be what I desire to be as yeah. a disciple. Well it's fascinating
1: that built into every Christian is the need for other Christians. A need for the Lord and right. a need for other Christians. And how that need plays out in New York City or in a f you know, a farm town or wherever. Wherever Christians are, that same need exists, and um, and it's not a need that will just meet itself. Like it causes us to go out of ourselves and to seek Jesus and to seek other Christians.
0: Absolutely. Here is the thing that people need to know, and I need to be reminded of about Christianity: it's super uncomfortable. Yeah, it's not easy. Right? And I think we've come very used to a a comfortable Christianity. You know, I just go to church and I feel good about myself and it doesn't really affect anything else I do in my life. And no one really tells me what to do or how to do it. And that's not Christianity. If we're really living as Christian disciples, it's super uncomfortable. It causes change, it causes us to live differently, to say things differently, to to certainly not, you know, uh, be some type of, you know, Crazy radical preacher on the street corner, but I'm talking about like Christianity causes major change in, in the way I live my life
1: on and a regular basis, on a regular not basis, not just
0: one time. Yeah. And unless I have people in my life who are helping me to unpack that and, and to grow and to move forward, like I simply just will continue to subscribe to mediocrity in my Christian life. I just will. Yeah. And there's this old saying, like, you lay with the dogs, you wake up with the fleas. Any area of your life, you. You you subscribe to mediocrity, you're just going to continue to be mediocre. the The dogs fleas always win. It it just it just always happens that way. So unless we're willing to move out of that situation, surround ourselves with healthier, holier people in our life. Like intentions don't move forward until we make decisions about them.
1: Yeah, and we need reminders of the decisions we've made and what's important to us by the people around us who are making the same decisions. Because if everybody's, if we can't look to the people in our life and say, I would love to live just like that and I admire the way they live, if we don't have enough people around us, then eventually we're not gonna
0: really be pursuing much. Right. And I'm certainly not saying like we can't reach out and love people who aren't serious about their faith. No, that's, one of the things that makes us uncomfortable as a Christian is the call to share God's love with other people, and particularly people who don't think or believe the same things that we do. Mm. So we're not saying that. What we're saying is what has a drastic effect on us moving forward and becoming holier, happier, more radical disciples of Jesus is people walking alongside of us in that journey. Yeah, because,
1: I mean, you remember St. Paul and Barnabas. I mean, you have two saints, right? But they were in mission— They were partnership and mission, and it wasn't working out, and they they didn't like it, right? And so they split their ways, okay? But they they looked for others that had a healthier situation for them. So sometimes it's not a matter of this person or that person is not whatever. Sometimes it's just a matter of just listening to the Lord, who will tell you, okay, well, you need a new season in your life, new people in your life, and it's right. not a judgment thing. No. It's just a follow-the-Lord thing, and wherever the Lord is leading you, and sometimes it's very uncomfortable or new and challenging.
0: But Paul or Barnabas didn't go rogue and go solo. No. Right? They, they, they were connected in relationships and with people. So. And now
1: they're in heaven together forever. So Absolutely. It all worked out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so anyway, I'm excited about our show, great discussion. I'm um, excited about our guest today. We're going to talk 50 years— 50 years, something really cool happened. Whoa. So Paul George show. We'll be right back. The Paul George show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthshare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity Healthshare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today. I'm excited about my guest and good friend, Phoenix, Arizona, just landed all the way from Washington, D.C. Chris Faddis, how's it
2: going, man? hey paul doing really well
0: yeah so you went from a different fired. heat. yeah you went from a, a, the political heat out in washington dc to over 100 degree heat in phoenix arizona <laughs> which one would you take right. at this point
2: well honestly dan the humidity there it, it wasn't that bad this week cause it was raining a lot but the the humidity there um like i got to phoenix and i felt like oh i'm dry again you know so i think i'd take the phoenix over over the dc it's sweltering there yeah
0: but would you take the political heat over uh
2: no no i would definitely take yeah i mean if you add the political heat i think (laughs) then you know the wind chill factor of the political heat goes up to like yeah it's like 150 degrees so
0: yeah great to be with you Um, talking to chris faddis um would you say CEO of Solidarity Health Share? I don't know what your official title is. D-O-O. Yeah, i I'm the yeah. operator guy. Yeah. The CEO. I always forget the letters. But anyway, so you're out in D.C. You don't just go out there, <laughs> there to vacation. You guys actually go out there to lobby, to, to really build relationships with people because you, you care. Like, that's why you're going out there.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we're there for. I mean, this week was specifically to have a – Uh, I can't say who, (laughs) but we had a six hour meeting with with with, uh, a sitting congressman, um, very solid, strong Catholic congressman who wanted to really explore how we promote and drive forward um, some of the initiatives that that are happening already in this country, like really great pro woman, life affirming OBGYN care. Um, These things are happening, but they're not, you know, they're not happening at a scale enough to really compete with kind of some of the other people who are in women's health care who maybe we don't agree with. And so we were looking at that and it was really great. It was about 15 of us around the table with, with the congressman and his staff and just really um, exploring ideas and innovations and, and ways that we can do that in ways that, that they can help legal, you know, legislatively to help us. And so it was really, uh, that, that was really great. It was actually one of my, my favorite meetings I've had in DC, honestly. Um, and then, you know, met with another congressman yesterday who just introduced a, a House resolution yesterday to promote this this idea of pro-women, life-affirming, uh, women's care, and so, um, you know, got to spend time with him and celebrate that that uh, resolution that he presented yesterday, and so um, yeah, there's there's good things happening. So even though it's hot. <laughs> We have a bit of a reprieve the Lord has provided, and a lot of good things are happening on the hill today.
0: So. Yeah, thanks for going out there and doing that, because, you know, I mean, you know, I don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the connections or work with you guys, and so we have to have people fighting on our behalf, and so I do appreciate that. But you and I were talking about this, uh, actually, before we got on the interview, which has been sort of this exciting thing. It's sort of the, been this reboot of excitement. It's the 50-year anniversary of the encyclical letter... Uh, written by uh, Pope Paul VI the *Humani Vitae on human life Uh, I know you've seen it on the interwebs I know it's popped up but you guys on the back end with solidarity knew this was coming and we'll talk in a minute about uh, what you guys are doing in commemoration and and sort of you know reconnecting with this wonderful encyclical but speaking from a personal level how has *Humani Vitae uh, changed your life and your view of of um you know of of human life of your own self of your own marriage of your own family of mm. it it really changes the lens on everything but I don't want to speak for you.
2: Yeah, you know I mean I think for me it, it's one of those things where it, it would be very easy and I and I can understand this because a lot of folks have a hard time with the church's teaching on on contraception and sterilization, right? And and they have a lot of good reasons that they that they justify. And and I can see, I mean, and you know this, Paul, I mean, you know this better than I do, but now having our fifth child and thinking about, you know, how tired we are and thinking about all these other things and all these things going on, I could see justifying and rationalizing um, using other methods to, you know, just to slow down your family's growth, you know, and, and I can understand it. But I think what, what I find really inspiring and not just from a teaching aspect, but when Humanae Vitae was written, there were many, many bishops who actually disagreed with Pope Paul VI and actually recommended that we do that the church does loosen its restrictions on contraceptives. And yet Pope Paul VI, in, in, you know, I would imagine, inspired by the Holy Spirit, saw what was happening and knew that he had to stand firm for the church. Yep. And he did stand firm for the church. And in doing so, while I mean, you know, there's, there's stories. You know, the Catholic Medical Association at the time had thousands of members, and most of those Catholic doctors went to the side of saying contraceptives are okay. After Humanae Vitae, Catholic Medical Association dropped to 300 members, because m- almost all the members left, because they, they didn't agree, right? This was not a popular decision to put this encyclical out. Right. But what we see is we see the Church standing for truth, even when we all make our own decisions or make our own excuses. And for me, it was it's just it's really encouraging and, and kind of a challenge to make that decision for my family that we've got to do the harder things, you know, yeah. But not um, only, and, and not there's only there's been plenty of times when I, I kind of wish it was easier, you know? Yeah. Um, absolutely. Especially going into my forties and having five kids already and kind of being like, I'm not sure if, if we personally, in our own spirits are ready for more, you know, what do you do after this fifth one comes? What you you have to be faithful. You have to remain firm, just like Pope Paul VI did. So for me, that's kind of how it's hmm. it's affected me personally and kind of changed my lens. Um, that's such an
0: interesting it, point of view. Just you, looking
2: at it from that perspective. Um,
0: you know, because I've never I really thought about it from that perspective, is that, you know, Pope Paul VI really made a stance against culture at a time where he took a lot of heat for it. I knew that, and it really put much thought into it in a sense of, you know, he just said, he, he just looked in the face of culture and said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about truth. I'm going to preach truth. This is the gospel. And I think what it did for me uh, and vitae, which honestly it was written before I was born, but you know, it, it's been around for so long and it resurfaces and resurfaces and resurfaces. But Pope John Paul II, you know, wrote the theology of the body this this was the start of that. I mean, this was the start of humans re-understanding or understanding for the first time, the church re-explaining or even explaining for the first time the dignity of human life from conception right, yeah. to death, what the human body's like, what it's meant for, uh, why. You know, it's not just that birth control is wrong or contraception, it's the fact that life... Is of the utmost importance, and as Catholics and as Christians, it began to put to me a new lens of seeing all of it through through the through the Gospel, you know, through through Christ, and I began to understand why life was so important in a different way. And what Pope Paul VI did was he he just began to kick the dust up for what would happen after him with with the new teachings on the theology, of the body, and the understanding, and that's been. Massively transformational for people uh, throughout the whole world,
2: yeah, absolutely, and I think you're right. I think what what you're talking about the you know the church really articulating for the for the modern world what what we believe about personhood and, and human dignity it is and, and you know starting again like with this document and moving forward and and doing that a lot of that what I see it as is the church proclaiming her yes mm-hmm. rather than just being about the no. <laughs> You know, it's kind of like when you're a kid, your parents tell you no forever, and then, you know, when you're a teenager and you start asking all the questions, and eventually they explain to you why, you know, um, and, and, or, or you learn why on your own. You understand the yes. You understand the reason behind it. And I think that's the most important thing that we have to do better at is, as a church and just as people in general, just even people in abused as we're talking to friends that, that maybe disagree, is understanding the yes and understanding the, the, the proclamation of the positive, the good, That the church is trying to lead us to um and in doing that you know we can we can say we have something better you know we have something that is better for you we had a woman call solidarity health share because her doctor was prescribing for endometriosis and iud which is a you know intrauterine birth control device right and we had to explain to her that we couldn't why we couldn't pay for that she said i don't understand it's just for this and Now, there are, and I'm not going to get into the ethical things, there are some times when you can use birth control for therapeutic methods as long as you're not, as long as you're abstaining, Um, but there still isn't the best thing, and and the the answer to her was there's something better for you. We can can show you different options. We can show you some other ways that would actually be better for you because this thing is going to affect your hormones, it could cause other diseases, it could do all the other things, but ultimately there's a better option for you and for your your family. And so that's what I think we've gotta see from Humanae Vitae. A lot of people I think see it as oh yeah, that's the church's document with that that you know could just be titled N O <laughs> but it's really not the truth of that document.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And I think you say great because I think for so many years Catholics just did things because, you know, it was either black or white or yes or no. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think what the theology of the body did um, and and then starting with Humanae Vitae was begin to explain the bigger picture the yes the beauty of the body the mind the soul what what we're meant for what what life is all about and you know the theology of body really changed my view on everything about human life not only about myself my marriage my children uh, my future children but other people the way I look at the world begin to help me see life in a whole new way and then I begin to not really have a problem with the church's teaching right I begin to embrace it because I saw it from from the beauty of what God designed us for and and in a sense humana although difficult at times to practice made a whole lot of sense and that being said, what's really cool is that you guys sat down at Solidarity and said, you know, if, if this is if this is real and true, this is who we are as Catholics. What are we doing about it as an organization? And um, if you guys are listening, I'm talking to Chris Fattis, CEO of Solidarity HealthShare. Um, and so you guys sat down and uh, tell us a little about it. It says. Uh, solidary health share organization to pay for natural fertility health care and sterilization reversals what
2: in the yeah, world, you know, man yeah yeah i mean let, let's just say you know from the basics from the day from day one we really wanted we really desired to be um very affirmative in in our you know affirm affirmation of life right and so it may sound redundant but i think you know, it's very easy to say what we're not going to pay for. So we, we're not going to pay for abortion. We're not going to pay for sterilization. We're not going to pay for contraception. You know, we're not going to pay for gender reassignment, those kind of things. But we, we really desire to move towards over time to move towards more of an affirmative statement of what we are going to do. So if I'm telling you I'm not going to share in contraceptives what am I going to do, you know, and so that's been something we, we had to really kind of study and make sure that we were so confident about the dollars and cents of it And so we finally, uh, you know, after you know the last year, we've we've really put the the method together to figure out how to do this and the best way to do it. And so we're releasing new guidelines on September 1st. We update our guidelines pretty regularly, but the new guidelines on September 1st actually include uh, we we will now share a natural family planning instruction, uh, or or the other term is fertility awareness based methods of family planning. We'll actually share in that instruction individual instruction with a couple or. Uh, you know, honestly, even a teenage daughter that you want to learn and understand, that we will share in that, uh, the instruction as well as the initial supplies. Um, And then also, fertility um, treatments that are life-affirming. So, you know, the number one thing that we know as Catholics is something called the NAPRO technology, which is uh, was started by the Paul VI Institute, Dr. Hilger's up in uh, North Dakota, I'm sorry, in Nebraska. And uh, so we are now going to share in those treatments so whether it's the surgeries whether it's the diagnosis the uh the evaluation the supplies those napro technology has helped so many couples get pregnant without destroying life and without hurting their bodies or, or adding all kinds of harmful um chemical hormones and things like that and so we are really excited to be able to offer that i think as far as we know we're probably the first health plan in the country to ever do that to actually pay for fertility treatment And then the other piece is what we've, you know, what a bishop actually challenged us to is he said, you know, if you're truly going to be a Catholic plan, you have to be open to when somebody has made a decision to have a sterilization, whether it's a vasectomy or tubal ligotomy, and they have a conversion and they realize that they've made a mistake and they want to bring their body to physical integrity so that they can live faithfully in their marriage, will will you pay for that? And so we discerned that and and we, we said, you know what? That makes a lot of sense to us, and so we are now going to pay for sterilization reversal. so if somebody's had a vasectomy or a tubal ligotomy, they can go through the reversal process. Uh, it's available, it's possible it's not always it's not hundred percent effective, but it is something that can be done. Um, and so we will we will now share in that um, for for couples in our ministry, and we won't consider a preexisting condition actually. so that's something we're really excited to be able to do. I hear all the time from people. Um other evangelists, other priests, how that's one of the things that they hear lament from many many couples who have regret, and so we're really excited to be able to help people um you know live their live their lives faithfully and and do so and and also you know paul to look at fertility not as you know i think um we look at fertility as kind of an annoyance in this society you know it, we're we're more focused on sterility really, and so when someone has a fertility issue modern you know modern day like they don't pay for it in regular insurance, even, you know, right. it's like, well, that's not, well, if you have a fertility issue, I mean, that's an illness. That's something wrong. That's a, a diseased part of your body in a way. I mean, it may not be a disease, but this makes a lot of sense to help someone restore their body naturally to what it should be and to, to optimal function, which would be that you are fertile, right? So that's the kind of thing that I think we're, we're really excited to be able to do. I think it's going to help a lot of women. We've already heard, we announced it on the anniversary of Humana Vitae on Wednesday, um, but we've already heard that uh, from many, many people saying thank you, that, you know, this is going to help so many people, or I know people who, who need this help. And so we're we're very, very uh, blessed and grateful for God's inspiration here and, and uh, being able to do this for our members.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, in, in light of Pope Paul VI, you guys are taking a bold stand in our culture, uh, which certainly doesn't treat life uh you know <laughs> the way that uh god sees life and uh you know this is a bold stance i, w- I want to read uh real quick what you guys wrote because i think it's cool it says in honor of the 50th anniversary of blessed paul uh Pope paul the sixth 1968 encyclical humana vitae solidary health share has announced changes to its member guidelines this is so cool that you guys um you know really sat down with this I'll allow members to share in the cost of medically proven procedures such as uh, nat natural protective technology napro technology which you mentioned and fertility awareness-based training and counseling uh, which is so good man um, and so you guys put this out on the anniversary of humana vitae this is kicking in uh, as you said soon September through your guidelines and I think this just makes such a great stance for people is saying, look, not only are we really going to be an authentic Catholic organization, but we're going to stand for the things that are, are the utmost important in our culture and in human life, and we're going to love people, and we're going to help them. This is so good. So what has been the feedback internally in your organization and externally that you guys have heard?
2: You know, it's funny. We have a marketing team that's in Ohio, and, and they do all of our sales calls and other things. and and uh you know i've heard from several of them because i had to just send them an email about it and get to talk to them that they were just so moved by the decision that we made and you know they're a separate organization but they you know brad hahn was actually there with them today explaining everything and kind of teaching them about what we're doing and he said that there were people in the room in tears you know and, and our our member team here in phoenix the member care team who serves our members they are um they were just so delighted and joyful about it and you know, that really wanted to understand everything so they could talk to to members about it. But then from our members and from and even from the outside, we've already had people come and email in or call in and say, "Okay, wait, I I might switch to you guys because this and this. This is incredible. But we've got a lot of people say, I was already excited about what Solidarity was doing. I already believed in what you're doing. But now I'm 100 percent sold. We've got to put this out to other people. And and I think people are sharing it with their friends because because the bottom line is, Paul, there are so many people wounded by these issues. Yeah, no, and, absolutely. And they don't have help. And yeah. here we are as a church telling them to live a certain way, but they don't have the support to do it. You know, and, and, and instruction for natural family planning isn't that expensive, but, but you know, and, and if you really look at the grand scheme of things, but for a young couple who's just getting married or for, you know, different people in situations, it can be. Or what if you're struggling with your natural family planning method and you need to learn something else or you need some more instruction? So. I think it's um, the response has been very positive, very excited, um, and I hope I hope it will inspire more <laughs> uh, Catholic organizations because you know one of the things that's really a, a hardship in our churches. I, I don't even think that any Catholic organizations in their healthcare plans share in these things, and so or or pay for these even in their insurance plans. And so I do hope this will inspire people to make that that change for their their uh, employees and and everything else. Well,
0: and not only that. Uh... You know, most health care plans that people belong to, just normal health care plans, which I won't mention what they are, their names, cover things that are the opposite of our moral standing as Catholics and as Christians. They, you know, they cover abortions. They cover, you know, of course, all the birth control methods. They cover all, uh, you know, uh, euthanasia. I mean, it, it, they cover so right. many things that go against a lot of people's moral uh, DNA and yet, we just kind of go along with it because it's our health insurance, and Solidarity is providing not just an alternative, but a, a, a great solution and good health care um, that sticks within the lines of, of our moral conscience as Catholics and as Christians. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, Absolutely,
2: and I hope we can continue.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is so good, man. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm actually going to be out in Phoenix next month. I'm looking forward to seeing you and some other friends out there. So, dude, welcome back from Washington. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy and praying for you guys over there at Solidarity.
2: All right, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on and, and uh, bless you and all your listeners. All right, man. Have a good one. God bless. You too.
0: The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org that's solidarityhealthshare.org Welcome back to the show. Man, great discussion Chris Fattis, over there in Phoenix, Arizona. Solidarity. Solidarity. So anyway, you can find the information at solidarityhealthshare.org, but here's here's a great thing about the discussion that that you know, I want to talk to you about is, you know, the encyclical Humanae Vitae turned 50, you know, that encyclical, even for me, was written before I was born and Mm. certainly before you were born, but it still drastically has an effect on the church today. And it was a, it was a massive stance in the culture for Pope Paul VI to say, wait a second, like, no, like this is what we believe, and this we want to change the tide of what's happening even within the church, of people's misunderstanding of not only human life, but you know, uh, birth control and all those things that that have an effect on you know who we are as humans. It's so hard for us to pre- appreciate the upheaval
1: that went through the church because of that encyclical. Yeah, yeah. If we didn't live through it. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I do know this, like, I, from talking to people who were, uh, you know, adults, so, like, say, our parents' age, mm-hmm. who, when that came out, who obviously didn't even have one ounce or a clue what the church's teaching was mm-hmm. about, you know, their sexuality or about, you know, reproduction, or about birth, they didn't have a clue. And when this came out, it was, like, a shell shock. But for a lot of people I talked to, it was, like, liberating yeah like in a sense it was liberating to finally know what not only the church taught but what god thought right like what god thought of our human existence and our bodies and our souls and our reproduction like it was a it was recapturing that and for a lot of catholics who were serious about their faith at the time it was a liberating document that Mm -hmm. said finally we understand what we've been feeling inside but didn't know how and didn't know what to do, so we've been doing a lot of the wrong things, right? And, of course, obviously, in a lot of the culture, it had the, the adverse effect. A lot of people were super ticked off about it.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of priests.
0: A lot bishops. of priests. Yeah. But, you know, that goes into what we were talking about in the first segment, that Christianity is super uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? It, 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 it's countercultural in, in, in its teaching, and if you're not uncomfortable... When you read the Gospels, then something's wrong. Yeah, like you're reading it through the wrong lens. You're misinterpreting what Jesus is saying, because I there there are a lot of things that Jesus says that make me feel really uncomfortable, and sometimes in a good way. Like I need to feel uncomfortable. I need to be challenged in my life to be better, holier, and more of a disciple. Humanae Vitae does that. Like Mm. it's teaching. Makes me uncomfortable because it's not easy, and Christianity is not easy. But it's liberating. There's freedom when we practice the teaching of of who we are as people that God created us, how to live. That's when we're most free, even yeah. though it's hard.
1: Yeah, and then we look at the shackle of sin, and we're like, "Why would I ever do that?" So, like for me and my wife, you know, we—I was born in 1985; she was born 1984. So, you know, in the 90s, when we were being catechized, the church was settling down a little bit into this teaching and into this way of looking, you know, and, and Theology of the Body was certainly a big help for that. Um, the Catechism of Catholic Church was a huge help for that. And so we had all these blessings going for us and a great pastor and community to where when we got married, we had a really good sense of what sexuality was about. And um, it all made sense to us such that, like, I couldn't even imagine anything else. Right. But it's that's kind of a new development, you know, like, and and a lot of couples don't have that experience necessarily growing up in the church. And so when they get married, it, they're not at the point where it's like contraception makes no sense to me. And to me, that's one of the most tragic things. Cause like marriage, like you said, like contraception shackles a marriage. Right. A lot of times they just don't even know better or how that, that's what it does. Mm -hmm. But man, when, when we live the teachings of the church, and we, we just go all in for a time, for a season, and it's really firmly playing in our hearts, there's nothing else we want. I mean, we look at other things, and it's like, man, that's so cheap.
0: Right. You know? It's a counterfeit. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, Gretchen and I were married. We got married in 1997, and in 2002, okay, so five years after we were married, um, we had... I think we had two kids at the time. It was the first time that I heard of the theology of the body. Is that right? Yeah. And I listened to some audio and began to read. And, like, for me, it was the most liberating teaching and understanding. And it was after I was married and I was practicing Catholic, um, you know, following whatever teachings I knew of the church Um, when it came to sexuality and what the catechism taught, whatever, but this was liberating for me. It, it set me free to understand the human body in a way that no one had ever told me or explained to me, and it made our marriage better, right? It, it made us more free to understand and to live it out, and, you know, without humana vitae, I think theology of body never comes, right? Right, like Pope, Paul the Six, and you know, when I was talking to Chris is, it, it was what kicked the dust up for more and more teachings on this. And what unfolded, you know, was this beautiful teaching, John Paul II of Theology of Body, which he took years and years and years and years to talk about uh, over the course of his Wednesday audiences, you know, and his homilies. And to be able to unpack that as a Christian. So I think, honestly, like one of the biggest attacks on our culture and on the church today is is in the sacrament of marriage. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we know, like, you know, if you destroy the family, the culture is destroyed. And even more so, the church, right, is destroyed. Yeah. if families are destroyed. And
1: honestly, I don't think it's, because in the healthiest church in the history of the world, maybe 20% or of the lay people, I mean, are like, On fire for Jesus living it out. That's like the healthiest scenario. Maybe if, you know, in the best case, 5% are just not really into it all, and everybody else is just kind of going along with the flow, you know? Mm -hmm. To me, the big tragedy of the contraception nightmare that we're in, and the sacrament of marriage, is that those people that have it in them to have amazing marriages that inspire and transform the world, it's dulled Sometimes through no fault of their own in the sense of, like, they don't know any better, they weren't taught well, whatever. But the point is, as a church, we don't have the witness of those heroes of marriage and family like we really, really need. Right. But I think there, you know, there's a lot. In my own life, I have so many heroes around me that have lived marriage and family well. I can't imagine my life without it. But most Catholics' experiences, they don't have any of these heroes in their life. Right. Can you imagine living with, like, no couples around you that are just showing you how awesome it is to love God as a couple and and to be free of contraception and all that? I mean, that that's a hard world to live in.
0: Yeah, I didn't really know many growing up. You know, so marriage was a new concept and learning it, you know. But, you know, it's interesting in our culture where 50% of marriages end in, in divorce, right? So we see it unfolding. Um, and yet... If someone cohabitates before they're married, they're living together before they're married, which you can assume that they're probably living unchaste in that, you know. Safe assumption. Sa- yeah. Safe assumption. The divorce rate goes up to 80%. eighty percent. Eighty. Eighty percent. You know, and everyone I talk to, no one says, you know what? When I get married, I want to end up in a divorce. And I was like, Well, are you willing to do what it takes to actually have a successful marriage? Well, what does that mean? So did you know that if you're if you're married if someone's married Practicing the teachings of the gospel, the Catholic Church, using natural family planning uh, and understanding of their sexuality, the divorce rate goes down to 3%. 3%? From 50 to 3 or from 80 to 3%. Wow. That's quite a difference. And yet people will look at the numbers and be like, well, I don't want to do that. Okay, mm-hmm. well, then then you're making a choice to like be a statistic, basically. And... And this goes into the point, like when we do the hard thing of practicing our faith the way Jesus wants us to do it, there's actually freedom. So it looks hard and might be some hard steps, but the back end of that is true freedom. Yeah. We find what we're created for. We're made how we're created to live, and we live in that freedom. And the results of that is, you know, the the abundant life that Jesus talks about. I want an abundant marriage I got to be willing to do what it takes to do that. Like, and that sometimes is hard, hard things. But those hard things, and Scripture says this: like, it's through discipline that we become better. I mean, Scripture talks about that, and it, it says at times when, when things are hard and discipline, the back end of that is that we're free. We become better. We become holier people. And to me, following the Lord when it's tough is not
1: like hey, do your homework, I know you're bored, but stick with it. But it's more like the experience I've had um, trying to climb a rock wall is that inevitably you get to a point where, okay, you're going to have to jump or like put some risk into it, okay? Um, And you either chicken out or you just go and go for it, right? Right. And to me, this is what it's like often with the Lord is – Doing the hard thing means that I have to really trust him, and I have to, I have to realize that to get to a to the heights of marriage, to the place I want to go, it's gonna rec- I'm gonna get to those ledges often where I've got to jump, or, or go through something that is not easy. But every time I've been in that situation and just gone for it and made it to the top, there's such an accomplishment to it. There's such a um a peace of mind knowing that like I did something. Worth doing right and with marriage is the exact same way and the only way to get to that top point where like you look down and or you look back on your marriage or you look at your life and you're like man I'm really pleased with how I've lived my life is by
0: jumping every time the Lord says to jump amen we got to take risk and that risk is putting our lives in the hands of Jesus it's risky business that's where we're most free that's where we're most free to live the life that we were created to live. So anyway, man, great show. Thanks for Chris Fattis. We for, talked about so uh, many things for coming on, and uh, for all you guys out there, thanks for listening. You can get the show on podcast um, on PaulGeorge.LA, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes. Uh, you can also order the book "Rethink Happiness, Dare to Embrace God and Experience True Joy." Amazon, put in your cart. Ive Maria Press. You can buy for your whole school, your whole faculty, your whole staff, or just yourself. Or your whole family.
1: Now you do one of those coming up, right? Like a, a faculty training. Yeah, and uh, it's a pretty cool thing to do with the book. I I'm
0: I'm actually speaking at a school where they're buying a book for every parent, faculty, and kid.
1: That is a great idea.
0: They're going to do like one common like understanding of of some type of Christian. I love concept. that concept. Yeah. So who does that? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, great show, man. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll be back next week. I'll God bless.